Nicole, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 73. And y'all... Uh-oh. Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> I've had my new car for a year. Like, last week, I got a text from the guy who sold it to me. It's was like, congratulations, you've had your car for a year. And I was like, what? A whole year? And then Sunday, uh, <laughs> I got in a wreck. <laughs> Yeah. Bright side, though, it wasn't her fault. Yeah, it was not my fault. Won't go on her insurance. Mm-hmm. Car's drivable. Mm-hmm. We're safe. Yes. We were not injured. No. Could have been worse. Definitely. But can you open the passenger side door? No. No. Only from the inside. You can from the inside. <laughs> so I, you know, crawl across. <laughs> or you can just roll the window down and not open it from the yeah. outside. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, looks like I I don't, I got T-boned. Do you remember on that movie Just Right when Queen, love that fucking movie. If you've never seen that movie, fucking common and Queen Latifah killing it, make you want to be in love even if you hate it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's not realistic at fucking all. Oh no, I'm like, okay now. Yeah, like you, okay. Okay. But anyway, mm -hmm. anyway, in the movie, her car door has a dent and mm-hmm. she calls it, it's dimple. Yeah. So now you just have two dimples. Mm-hmm. I have a crater. You have a front and a back dimple. <laughs> it's like the dimples on your butt and on your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had had mine three months, four months when I wrecked mine the first time. Yes, yeah, so the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... Before this, oh, oh, God. oh, your other Honda, you had Yolanda was beat up, mm-hmm. beat up. I mean, it, she didn't look it because she got fixed. All plastic surgery does wonders, y'all. Look, it's gonna do that to this one too. Mm-hmm. But now she's forever blemished. Her Carfax, no good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what else? What? You know what? Oh, oh yeah, pop that trunk. Oh no, no nope. that. Wrong show. <laughs> Patreoners. Oh, yeah. Another P. Am I going to always sing it like that? Probably. And do people hate it? Probably. Probably. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so thank you, MLG from Scotland. Ashley W. from Texas, who upped her pledge. So thank you. Yeah, she's a beautiful creepster now. Oh, going to get those bloopers. And Sarah M. from Michigan. Thank y'all so freaking much for being part of Patreon. And if you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Yes, we could not do it without y'all. And we hope y'all enjoy your little perks and everything. Yes, bonus episodes, stickers, discounts on merch, mm-hmm. free merch, mm-hmm. all the things. And I think we've said this before, but if we have like a really weird tangent or something that's going to make the intro super long... We cut that, well, Will does, and we release that on Patreon as an extra slice. Get it? Extra large pizzas, extra slice, bunch. <laughs> and everyone loves an extra slice. We are actually ahead of schedule. Well, we used to record very early in the week, and then we suck, and so we start recording very late in the week. We're actually ahead of schedule this week, and it's been a terrible week. <laughs> it's Tuesday, but it's been a bad week. But, you know what's worse? What? My story. Oh, fuck. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, shit. You know what's worse? What? 
when you, well, I don't know. I haven't listened to your story, so that still could be worse. I would imagine it's way worse than whatever you're about to say. (laughs) I mean, teach their own. But, you know, when you are proud of your story and you think, I know every word in this story. And then you learn that you've been saying this word wrong for, oh, I don't know, five fucking years. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So thank you, Kayla Kay and all of the other Texans. Shout out. I said Brazos for the road Mm -hmm. or street. And it's Brazos, I think. Brazos. Yeah. You know what's so funny about that correction? Lived in Houston five years. There's a fucking bayou that goes straight through the city. (laughs) Is that fucking name? I think that's where it was. Anyway, that's where it was. Biked along that fucking bayou. (laughs) And I have always said Brazos. Never said it Brazos. I have a customer, and that's, like, part of their name. And every time I have said their name, like, in our company, in my head, whatever. In an email. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, like, oh, I got to do Brazos. (laughs) Yeah. So, when Kayla Kay posted that in the group, I was like, what the fuck? Hold on. I'm about to call my customer. And so, I was like, hey, uh, this isn't work-related, but. How do you say your company's name? <laughs> I mean, we got a download out of it, though, because he said, what's your podcast? Yeah. And then I was like, um, uh, you you might see a different side of me. <laughs> the one with carbs and cocks. <laughs> well, while we're on, y'all are like, this is the longest motherfucking intro. Sorry. But while we're on pronunciations, I have recently realized that my accent is so strong <laughs> That when I say bless it, people think I'm saying bless it, like E-D. Bless E-D. Bless it. Oh, bless it. And I'm definitely saying bless it I-T. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally see it, though. Like, yeah. how them thinking, because I say bless it. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Look, I honestly did not know my accent was so... Bad. Country. Yeah. <laughs> strong. Yeah. I guess not bad, but strong. I'm telling you, around here, people will be like, where are you from? Legit, her contractor for her house thought <laughs> she was from the North. Had yeah. no idea that she was raised here. Yeah. He he did not believe me. And I'm like, no, I am. So when y'all are like, your accent, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't have one, though. But I do. Oh, yeah. Definitely have one. Yeah. Okay. So... All right, back to even worse than whatever that all that was. Mm-hmm. Okay, picture it. April 13th, 1991. Damn, close to your birthday, girl. Mm-hmm. We are actually keeping it pretty local. Oh, fuck. We heading up to Walnut, Mississippi. Don't ask me where. It's northeast, I think. <laughs> Never heard of Walnut. There were two friends, Sue and Nicole, and they are riding around in Nicole's grandfather's car having fun, living their best 17-year-old life, okay? (laughs) Yeah. As you do. If you were anything like us, you were riding around, singing your heart out to Jewel, smoking cigarettes, not Donna. She never smoked a cigarette in her life. (laughs) Nope. Hates them. But Tiffany and me, token away. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, I have, like, Cokes with peanuts in it. Little Debbie, please. (laughs) Y'all have your addictions. I have mine. (laughs) 
Oh, shit. That's funny. Well, I'm guessing that it was a slightly older car because the girls had to stop to put fluid in it. So, in true Mississippi fashion, we've been here. They're at the little store getting the shit that they need to put fluid in the car. And they see this guy. His name was Charles Ray Crawford. And they're like, hey, can you help us? So, Chuck, as he went by, he had his young son with him. And so, you know, they're like, you know, cool. He cool. Yeah, I mean, he has a son. He's not going to do anything in front of his son. Yeah. He said, yeah, I'll help you drive over here to the ballpark with me. And so, they go. He puts fluid in the car. And he goes, hey, Susie, I need to talk to you about something. But he wouldn't tell her what it was about. Oh, fuck. Well, later that evening, the girls are driving around, and they see Chol Chucky. So they flash their lights at him to get him to pull over, and Sue's like, what the fuck did you want? What you got to talk to me about, you know? And he says that in order to talk to her, they need to get out of Walnut, where they live, because his ex-wife, her name was Gail, might find out that they're talking and stop him from seeing his son. Now, how old are they again? 17. Okay. Well, he was like, come meet me down at the Kaliabee Cemetery. That's the name of the town. And they go meet him at the cemetery, roll the little window down. And he doesn't have a son this time, right? Literally my next sentence. Oh. <laughs> no, no, you pulled a carry. Mm-hmm. But no, exactly. He did not have the son. And so he's like, hey, Sue, come get in the truck so we can talk. So, of course, Sue did... And old Chucky Chuck says, Sue, your boyfriend, he's got some pictures of you that are pretty bad. And I got him from him so that I can get rid of him. Like, you know, I'm going to protect you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect you kind of thing. And she's like, give me the fucking pictures. And he's like, okay. Come back to my house. Literally the next (laughs) sentence. Look, I watched this Lifetime movie, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But he also said... Ditch your friend. Well, tell Nicole to come, too. Oh, fuck. Never mind. Yeah. Y'all both get in my truck. Well, on the way to his house, he tells the girls to, like, okay, like, scrunch down. Like, get down. Because I don't want anybody to see you. Uh You know, I don't want Gail to take my son away. Blah, 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 blah. Well, of course, he's not going to park right at his house. He parks, like, this abandoned house kind of close to his house. Mm Mm-hmm. What does he tell Nicole to do? Stay in the car. And Sue, you come with me so that he can give her the pictures. Uh Uh-huh. Quote, unquote. Something that begins with a P. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get into the house, and old Chucky Chuck is like, stay here. Let me just make sure nobody's home. What? What? But if it's your ex-wife, why would she be there? Uh Uh-huh. And if she is home, you've made me duck down. Go meet you by a cemetery. All of this shit. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's home. Okay, let's go. Like, Chuck, Mm -hmm. I hate you. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Okay. So she sees him, like, go walk around the house like he's looking for somebody. But when he comes back, he puts a gun to her head. Oh, fuck. So, of course, he's like, don't yell. Get on the floor. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, shut up. So he taped her mouth shut with duct tape. Fuck. Mm -hmm. And then he taped her hands behind her back. He stands her up, takes her through the house into a bedroom and when they get to the bedroom he starts like taking her shoes off blah 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 blah. well she had loosened the tape up on her mouth by licking it with her tongue and as soon as she got it loose she told chuck like don't touch me i'm on my period you know to try to get him to stop yeah and he was like it's fine i'll take care of it and then of course he rapes her 
Well, she says, just don't hurt Nicole. And he was like, don't move and goes outside. She hears a noise. And then all of a sudden, Chuck runs back into the bedroom and says, somebody's there. Picks her up. They go out the house. And then he's like, what have I done? We got to get out of here. Somebody's here. So when they get back to the truck. He shot her. Sue didn't see Nicole, but she saw a hammer. Oh, no. No. Why a hammer? No, no, no. So Sue's like, where the fuck is Nicole? And Chuck's like, I had to hit her, and she ran away. Chuck looks at Sue, and he's like, what have I done? And she just responds, please don't hurt me. So they get out of there, walk like walk back towards his house, which, of course, he like untapes her so she can uh-huh. go to his house. So then Chuck gives Sue the gun and is like, shoot me. And she's like, I can't, I can't shoot you. Well... Chuck starts spiraling, and he's like, I gotta get to Memphis and so I can see Janet. And Janet was his ex-wife. So from what I can gather, Gail, he said ex-wife, but I think they were actually married, maybe separated, but Janet is his ex-wife. Okay. Lots of names, sorry. Well, basically, make a long part of this short, there was a bunch of switching of cars, stopping at people's houses, asking for rides to get to Memphis, blah, blah, blah. Sue had said she would go with him just to, like, keep him calm kind of thing so that he didn't kill her. They ended up getting a guy by the name of Timmy Joyner that was going to take them to Memphis. He was going to join in? Uh-huh. First, what he did was he took him to a hotel to spend the night, and then he came was going to come back the next morning and pick him up and take him to Memphis. Because there were, like, the town that they're in is, like, just on the Tennessee border, basically. Okay. Like, it's not that far. Yeah. Probably, like, an hour, if that. I don't know. I made that number up. okay so when they get to the hotel chuck's like sue are you scared and she's like uh yeah (laughs) like why would i not be you know and he like starts bawling crying is like i'm so sorry and sleeps on the floor next to the bed that she's in but holds on to her foot the whole night so she can't get away yeah oh my gosh well the next day timmy comes to pick him up and they go to a few different convenience stores so that he could, so that Chuck could use the phone to try to call Janet. Well, they finally get Janet on the phone, and Sue actually gets to talk to Janet. And she tells Janet, like, he raped me. And she's like, let me talk to Timmy. So Janet's like, Timmy, you got to tell him that I said to turn himself in. And so Timmy's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but she said you need to turn yourself into the police. And so they went to another gas station. He dialed 911 and turned himself in. Well, in the meantime, deputies are responding to a call that there's a girl that had been hit in the head. And oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So, when they get to where the call is, it's actually at Chuck Crawford's grandma's house. And because it's, I think it's like pretty close to his house. Okay. The deputies get there. They see Nicole laying on a stretcher from, you know, the ambulance. And she's like, Sue needs help. She's over at Chuck's house. So they go over there. They look around. Can't find anybody. But they find they find the roll of duct tape that had some hair on it inside the house and outside the house. And then they saw, like, footprints and blood and all this stuff. So they start following it. Yeah. So they're putting the pieces together. They put out an APB, which is an all-points bulletin. Basically, like, a, B- a bolo, be on the lookout 
I know all y'all are like, duh, we know what those mean. But just in case, you may be, you may be here for the paranormal and a newbie. Yeah, a newbie. I meant to say noob, but newbie came out and it came out very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> like we are. Oh, I mean. It, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> so they had taken Sue to the hospital, you know, because like I said, he turned himself in and all that stuff. So they had taken her to the hospital. She had a rape kit done, yada, yada, yada. So he is arrested for kidnap and rape of Sue and aggravated assault of Nicole. Well, he has a really good attorney. Oh, shit. All right, so we're switching gears now. Okay. Story number two. Oh, fuck. So there is this beautiful girl. Her name is Christy Ray. There are a billion rays in this story. Oh, gosh. So, there is this young girl. Her name is Christy Ray. She is a beautiful 20-year-old just living her best life. She was going to junior college. She had just gotten accepted into Mississippi State, was going to go there doing some sort of computer degree shit that I don't understand. Yeah. And she was just, just this beloved girl, you know? Yeah. Brains, beauty. Yes. The whole package. She was an only child. Her parents fucking adored her. You know, they were completely supported her, and they were like, you know, you can live with us until you're 40 and go to school. We don't care. We'll take care of you kind of thing. So Christy was not only a student, but she actually had two jobs. She worked, one, at this movie, like, local movie rental place, and she also worked at the same bank that her mom worked at. Her mom was like a bookkeeper, but they would let her come in, do just like filing and stuff. Just some, you know, a yeah. little, little extra at the end of the day kind of thing. One of the things that Christy had going on when she worked at the movie rental place was that... I feel like you're not saying Blockbuster, but like you should say Blockbuster, but like they didn't pay us for the sponsorship, so it's like she worked at a movie pl- movie rental place, like on all the um, cooking shows. Instead of saying Rice Krispie treats, they say Marshmallow Squares yes, or whatever. Yes, but no, because so this little tidbit makes you go, "Oh, okay." And a blockbuster, it's a local business. They had a adults only section mm. movie park. Mm. And so, since she was one of the employees over 18, she was the one that would have to, like, let people back in there, check them out, that kind of thing. And so, she had her share of... Creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a young, beautiful girl. Letting them in. Mm -hmm. Yes. But look, no porn shaming here. Oh, hell no. But, poor thing. You know she had to deal with some shit. So, we are shaming you for making a teenager feel uncomfortable because you're weird (laughs) well because you know like they would say shit to her Mm -hmm. you know it's not like okay thanks gotta go you know they'd be like you could be on the cover of this one (laughs) yeah you know have you ever seen this one (laughs) (laughs) this is my favorite (laughs) oh my god this one has two girls in it (laughs) (laughs) two girls one cup (laughs) now you just went way too motherfucking far too far okay so the other thing that was kind of happening in her life is she started noticing like she felt like she's being watched like people were paying attention to her schedule and just like somebody was kind of always lurking around you know and so it was kind of made her uncomfortable but you know she's like well there's nothing's really happened you know yeah so 
On Friday, January 29th of 1993, Christy had gone to work at the bank with her mom. Told her mom, she's like, I just don't feel very good. It was about 5.15, so her mom was like, look, just go home. You know, you don't feel good. Yeah. You've been here a few hours. Like, just fucking go home. You know, get you some rest. I'll see you in a little bit. Well, about 6.45, Mary, who is Christy's mom, goes to call Christy at home, and there was no answer. And so she was like, oh, well, I guess she's feeling better. She probably went and saw her boyfriend. You know, her boyfriend was about to leave to go to Ole Miss. She was going to Mississippi State. You know, they just were going to be apart, blah, 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 blah. Well, at about 7, her mom gets home, and Christy's car wasn't there. So she's like, yeah, I guess she's, you know, gone to her boyfriend's house. You know, what a thought. Well, she sees this note on the table, and she's like, the fuck is this? And the note has this really poorly drawn map. And it says, there will be a flag somewhere on this block, Tuesday midnight, $15,000 in a gym bag or she dies. Oh, shit. No police. Of course. Oh, BTW, no police. Yeah. By the way, I know you're going to call the police, but don't. (laughs) Well, Christy's mom thought it was not really real. Like, it wasn't like... I think it there wasn't, like, a conscious decision of this is real or this is fake. I think it was just, like, not able to put the... Like, couldn't reconcile. Couldn't put the pieces together to be like, what is actually happening? Yeah, and like, it's just weird as fuck. Yeah, and she's like, well, I mean, her car's gone, but there's her purse. Her room's messy, but I got this ransom note. The fuck? Yeah. And so she actually leaves and goes to Christy's boyfriend's house and is like, is she here? And they're like, no. So she goes to the video rental store. And she's like, is she here? And they're like, no. And so from there, she calls her husband and is like, I can't find Christy. And he's like, "Um, call the police. (laughs) It's like, again, I really think that her mom just could not reconcile it. You know? Yeah. It was just too bizarre. Yeah. So her mom calls the police and reports her disappearance. And the sheriff's department, like, not long after they started investigating, called the FBI in. When Mary gets back home, you know, to meet the police, she starts kind of noticing some more. She's like, oh, wait, there's some signs of forced injury here. Like, there's a wooden pallet leaned up on, like, the edge of the house to, like, climb into Christy's Mm. room. There's a cut in the screen on the window, you know, and she's like, oh, wait, there, like, there's some shit happening, you know? And she's yeah. like, there, you can tell that, that stuff had just been like rummaged through. And even in her and her husband's bedroom drawers there, it was like somebody was looking for something in there. She gives the police the ransom note, of course. And she's like, look, I really think that Christy fought back and like ran to our room. And she was looking for our gun in oh my the drawers. Yeah. And so she's like, I think that's why this stuff is kind of rummaged through in their room that's so heartbreaking and so the police and again the fbi are involved and they're like she don't fucking know what's going on who is this because you know her boyfriend is clearly not involved like you know it's just like who the fuck did this right well that same day an attorney walks into the sheriff's department and says look my client is charles crawford chuck He is out on bail for the rape and kidnapping of Sue and the assault on Nicole. 
And his family found a note in the attic. Oh, my God. And it, police realized, look just like the note that was found at Christy Ray's house. And so what happened was the family found this ransom note at their house. And they were like, holy shit, Chuck did this. So they called the attorney to be like, help us. What do we do? Yeah. And the attorney's like, give it to me. I'm taking it to the police. Which, you know, they, they did everything right. Yeah. Because all this went down on Friday, right? You didn't know that. But it all went down okay, on Friday. I was like, oh, what? I mean, you're just supposed to be the human calendar and know <laughs> what day of the week it is when I tell you a date. Well, that Monday was the day that Chuck's trial was supposed to start. Oh, fuck. So... His out on bail was coming to an end. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They at least know that Christy and Chuck left the house in her car because it's missing. They're missing, but, like, her person stuff is inside, so you know she yeah. didn't just go somewhere. So they start looking out for the car, and, of course, there's all these people helping look. Her mom's staying at home so that she, you know, just in case she calls or whatever, you know. Yeah. But the, her dad and her boyfriend riding around trying to see what they can find and they find her car oh shit so they of course immediately call the police and they're like look we found her car right here so they're like figuring out okay like what's around here you know yada 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 using their detective skills they realize okay hey remember nicole was found when she was hurt at his grandparents house which is kind of by his but it's a little bit away. They had, like, a barn and all this stuff. And so, it's like, let's go check this out. Yeah. Well, at that time, Chuck did have Christy in the barn. Oh, my gosh. He had her handcuffed, like, to a pole in the barn. And, of course, would rape her and all of those things. And I don't know why I say, of course, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Of course, what else would he have someone handcuffed to a fucking mm-hmm. pole in a barn for if it's not consensual? Yeah. I digress. Anyway. So, he has her in the barn, and a deputy comes up to the to the grandparents' property and house just to be like, hey, this is what's going on. Let us fucking know. We're going to kind of be keeping an eye out on the property, but, like, let me look around, yada, yada, yada. So, Chuck panics and takes Christy and runs. Well, the police don't know that he saw the cruiser and all coming to check on that property, so they don't know that he left they don't know where they are or anything so they're just going to all of the places that chuck's known to go so one of the places that they're staking out is chuck's ex-father-in-law's house well while they're staking out the ex-father-in-law's house fucking chuck walks up oh shit and they wait on him to get close because they see that he's got a double barrel shotgun and a switchblade on him well, they're able to arrest him, like, without incident. Oh, good. They read him his Miranda rights and start interrogating him. And it takes all of mm, 0.25 seconds for him to crack. <laughs> there is some stuff about, like, he said that his, like, leg was broken. There's just some stuff that comes up in appeals and all of that later that I'm skipping because who gives a fuck? Because he's, like, saying that his rights were violated and they weren't. So... He said that he had, like, this back injury, and they, like, didn't take him to the hospital, but he, like, laid on his stomach during the interview process, 
like during his interrogation. Like, so it wasn't like they were like, your back hurts, suck it up, buttercup. They let him lay that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, it wasn't anything. Yeah. So he confesses and says, I'll take you to the body. Oh, fuck. The body? Well, so with his fucking back injury, (laughs) he takes law enforcement through this like really thick woods, very like rugged terrain, like put on your hiking boots and get your little camel pack because we go and hike. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're walking through this wooded area and Chuck's like, okay, we're here. And they find Christy's body covered in leaves. Fuck. And her body was found 400 yards from that barn where he had kept her. So from what I've gathered from everything I've watched and read, I think when he saw that sheriff's deputy come to look at the property and stuff, he panicked. And when they ran, that's when he killed her because he didn't know what to do from there. And so that's why they didn't get very far. That breaks my heart. I know. Well, when they uncovered Christy's body, they found she her hands were cuffed behind her back. She had a sock that was stuffed into her mouth oh. to gag her. And that had like a gag tied around it to keep the sock in her mouth, which would have been pure fucking hell for me. I would, mm-hmm. that would have made me, I mean, I would, that would be, that would be horrible. Yes. Having something in your mouth like that. Mm-hmm. Like not into gag balls, can't do it. Mm-mm. So I would try a gag ball, but like not a fucking sock. I'm not into a fucking sock. I don't wear them on my feet. I definitely don't want them in my fucking mouth. Well, first of all, you know, it was her sock. So, you know, it was dirty. And second of all, that just sucks up all your saliva. Mm-hmm. And okay, but can I get like a bubblegum size gag ball? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would fit your whole mouth. Though. I know. I mean, they use the child x-rays on me at the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Christy. Her jeans had been pulled down below her hips. So, you know, just they were like, oh, mm-hmm. well, fuck. She, yep, she'd been raped. She had one stab wound to her chest. She had a bunch of like cuts and scrapes on her legs, like on her the back of her legs and her and her butt and her back. And she also had scrapes on her face and chest with some contusions on her lips. And so what they think happened was that the cuts on her face were from trying to avoid the rape and they said that the scrapes on her the scrapes on her back were from him dragging her through the woods. No. Like, fuck, Chuck, just leave her tied up there and you run. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fuck, you don't have to... Here's the thing, too, is that the stab wound to her chest, it did puncture her heart and lung. It caused significant bleeding. But it took her two minutes to die. Oh, my gosh. Can you fucking imagine no this guy who had been one of her creepy fucking customers Mm -hmm. who was in her house when she got home kidnapped her raped her tortured her dragged her through the fucking woods and stabbed her can you imagine the fear for two whole minutes Mm -mm. like it doesn't sound like a lot of time But if you don't think that that's a long time, pause this thing right now and sit there in silence for two minutes. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't look at your phone. Don't listen. Like, sit there for two minutes. Yeah. It is just fucking heartbreaking. 
And the fact that this all should have been avoided because Mm -hmm. he should have never been let out on bail for fucking rape and kidnapping. Yeah. And of a minor. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was trying to go across state lines. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the biggest things for this, too, is that not only was Christie's death completely brutal and 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 senseless, but it was avoidable mm-hmm. had what I feel like is like due process yeah. and him not being able to like, why would you allow bail for that? Right. Fucking, I watch SVU, keep him on remand. What mm-hmm. is that called? <laughs> One thing that Chuck did, like everybody confessing to anything in the history of time, whether it's your kid telling you that they played Tarzan on the shower curtain, looking at you, <laughs> Kelly, or, you know, committed a murder, they're going to try to minimize their involvement, right? Yeah. And so his, his big thing was that, okay, yeah, he had Christy, but when they were walking, because they were going to go hunting... He fell in a sinkhole. And so he like tossed his shotgun and the Christie's like, Are you all right? And like she helped pull him out and like just like his whole description of the thing, like he said that because it was cold that night, they huddled in the barn together for warmth oh, and I was fuck. like he's she's not your fucking girlfriend. Yes. You kidnapped her and raped her. She's not your girlfriend. Oh, my God. Get a fucking blow-up doll. Don't... You know right? what I mean? They did all these, like, psychiatric tests to see if he was... Because they were trying to say criminally insane and blah, 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 blah. But basically, long story short, because there was a ton of legal crap that went down about should they allow the confessions, should the previous rape and assault charge be no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Basically, though, they found him guilty of capital murder... And he was given the death penalty. So he was sentenced to death and is serving out his sentence on death row. Wow. Fuck him. I know. Yeah. And again, my thing with this one is that any death is senseless. Yeah. But the fact that he was on bail for... I mean, did you, do you think he's not going to escalate? Like, right. what? You, what? Right. Way to go, courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably would have fucking got, like time served if they kept him in jail you know what i mean uh-huh but someone who has a like a gram of fucking pot or whatever i don't mm-hmm. even know anything about drugs to ounce gram whatever but you know like and she don't cook so she doesn't know conversions oh shit no i mean i have to google it so no judgment look i do know some like back in the day y'all insider information i took a cooking class 10th grade she did and you know what she did because that cooking class telling all y'all shit (laughs) that cooking class once a week would like because it was meant to teach you like commercial cooking and stuff and so once a week they would have um lunch where instead of eating in the cafeteria you could go pay and eat lunch there and donna's job me and katie it wasn't just me it was two people yeah their job was to make the sweet tea (laughs) I mean, <laughs> very important. I'm slow blinking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would have, like, meals. Mm-hmm. Like, good me- The food was good. 
how was your tea, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, that could have been a viral video back in the day because Katie said that she was going to teach me how to put the sugar in there. And she said, don't stir it. You got to chop it. Like, <laughs> and so she was doing it. So I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> All I picture is a, a thing of tea mm-hmm. with gobs of sugar on the bottom. Oh, we put so much sugar. And just like raking lines through uh-huh. it, not that, stirring it. Yes, that was exactly it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people liked it. Yeah. And then they went into. Hey, they didn't go to sleep in class. Until they they had a sugar crash, and then they did. <laughs> and, I mean, shit. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. But you wouldn't know, because your dad made the sweetest tea on the planet True. in high school. True. Like, legitimately, the, his tea was so sweet that sometimes I would have to drink water after it, because it would make <laughs> me more thirsty. My mom would try to, like, make it, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, who made the tea? And she'd be like, your dad. I, I could see the color. I'm like... Oh, God, because I used to think that your tea... When, the first time I ever... Actually, not used to. The first time I ever had his tea, I actually thought that it was sour because he made it so fucking strong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think this tea's good. <laughs> You're like, he made it today. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she always tried to get one over. I'm like, I, no. Well, what I was going to say with that tidbit... So, I did learn something where you draw a big G, and that's a gallon, and then the quart, you draw four, okay, and that fits in the G. Okay. And then two P's go into the quart. I mean, yeah, two P's into each quart or something, so two P's. Oh, clearly you learned it. Well, I'm just saying, this is how, and then, like, the C's, cups, go into, so, like, I mean, I know what's bigger and smaller, okay, from that. I just don't know a fucking gram in and out. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking metric system. Look, I actually don't know if that's the metric system. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I will tell you one thing. I might not know drugs like weed, Mm -hmm. but you tell me I can get a gram or an ounce of chocolate and I guarantee you I'll I'll figure out which one's more. (laughs) Picture it. 1950. New York City, mid-June. It's around 11.15 at night, so you would have already been zonked the fuck out. Mm -hmm. However, this takes place at an intersection near Times Square, so there's still cars going, pedestrians, everything. Everyone was living their best life, but some started to notice this lone man standing in the middle of the street. He appeared to be in his early 30s, and he was staring around at the buildings, up at the lights, at the cars, as if he was confused. And this behavior is what, like, got people to be like, what's going on? And some people said he was, like, crouching and, like, cowering, like he thought the buildings were going to fall on him. Oh, my God. But then they kept staring because of how he was dressed. Is this the beginning to the naked guitar guy? It is. Oh, okay. Just checking. Sorry to have... Foreshadowed the foreskin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always fuck up your stories with my Uh guesses. Mm, They're always right. (laughs) He was dressed in old-fashioned 19th century era clothing. He had a tall silk hat, a thick buttoned cutaway coat, checkered pants, and buttoned shoes. Very she-she. Mm-hmm. Well, a moment later... 
The lights change. Cars start to move again. But instead of standing still and waiting for everything to stop again, this guy who people were now staring at, Mm -hmm. he made a mad dash to the sidewalk. But he was going through oncoming traffic. Oh, no. And he was hit. (gasps) Oh, no. And killed instantly. Oh, no. There were some patrolmen around because I think a Broadway play was getting out, too. So, you know, I mean, it was a hustle and bustle kind of thing. So the patrolmen go over. His body was searched. And they found these items in his pockets. About $70, but they were not dollar bills. They were in old banknotes. There was a copper token for a beer worth five cents, and it had a name of a saloon. Then there was like a bill, like, hey, you need to pay this, Mm -hmm. from a stable on Lexington Avenue. It was for care of a horse and washing of a carriage. There were some business cards and the name Rudolph Fence. Like F-E-N-T-Z, because my accent. (laughs) (laughs) I legit thought you were talking about like a chain link Uh fence. Yeah. And it had an address on Fifth Avenue. That was what was on there. So they're like, okay, this man, his name was Rudolph Fence. There was also a letter, and it was addressed to that Fifth Avenue location. It was postmarked June 1876. Oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm. What in the Kate and Leopold is going on? Right? So he's dressed like an actor. So they're like, is this guy in a play? You know, what's going on? But then he's dead, rummaging through his pockets. And it's like, okay, these are really good props then. Mm -hmm. And none of the objects had any show of aging or anything. It looked brand new, but it said 1876. Yeah. Like, these tokens, they weren't made anymore. And horse and carriage, like, what? Captain Hubert V. Rhyme of the Missing Persons Department of NYPD, he was on the case, you know? He's like, all right, I'm going to use this information. I'm going to track this guy down and figure out next to Ken, who do we need to contact? Like, who's going to bury him? What's going to happen? The saloon was unknown even to, like, old residents in the area. The Lexington Avenue stable was not listed in any address book. And the address that was the Fifth Avenue, it was not like a home. It was part of a business. And the current owners were like, we don't know this Rudolph guy. His name wasn't listed in the address book. His fingerprints weren't recorded anywhere. No one had reported anyone matching his description as missing or anything. Hmm. So instead of this guy, like, vanishing like a fart in the wind, he came like a crop dust. <laughs> Did you write that down? No. I okay. just found about it. <laughs> <laughs> but Reem was determined. He was like, I'm seeing this through. I am finding someone who knows this man. He finally found a Rudolph Fence Jr., in the telephone book from 1939. Yeah. Like, he went back. Mm-hmm. Push him back, push him back, way back. And they didn't fucking have Google back then. Exactly. Not even ask Jeeves. We would have found that shit in about three seconds nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, Reem, he went, spoke to some of the residents at the apartment building 
that he found in that telephone book that went to RFJ, mm-hmm. you know. Junior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some did remember him and described him as a man who was about 60 years old and he had worked nearby. But after his retirement, he had moved somewhere that they didn't know. And that was in about 1940. So Reem contacted the bank trying to get any information. They told him that Junior had died five years before, but his widow was still alive and she lived in Florida. So then he contacted her and he was like, do you know of your husband's father? Like, is there anything weird about him? Mm -hmm. Anything that you can tell me? And she's like, he actually disappeared in 1876. He was 29 years old and he left the house one night going for an evening walk because his wife did not like him to smoke. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, had to have his little toke. And so he would do his little evening stroll and smoke. But he never returned. Oh, my God. So his family really never thought anything of it till he didn't return. Mm -hmm. So Reem's like, okay, but do you know, like, what happened? Any follow-up? And she was like, no, it's just been a mystery in this whole family. Like, we don't know what happened. So Reem checked the missing persons files in 1876. The description of his appearance, age, clothing were all very precise to the unidentified man in Times Square in 1950. Holy shit. Yeah. So Reem was scared that people would not believe him. You know, this would be like a mark against him. Like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, buddy. And so he would not be, you know, promoted or any of this. So he just kind of kept it to himself. And the case was marked unsolved. Because the only person that could claim this person is his son's widow. But mm-hmm. she never met him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's just like, eh. So people are like, what the fuck? This shows that time travel is real. Like, it all seemed fucking legit. But it wasn't like it was stage money or any of this stuff. Like, it was things from back in the day. Like, after he saw this, everything was kind of falling into place. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone's like, time travel is not real, Rudolph Fence is the go-to person that people are like, but wait, listen to this. Mm -hmm. So in early 2000s, this guy, Chris Albeck, I think is how you say his name. This guy was like, shit, I'm going to dig deeper. I got to, like, you know, find more of this. I need concrete evidence. So he goes searching for names, official records, all of this. But turned up nothing on Rudolph Fence or Captain Herbert V. Ream. So, like, they never existed? Well, that's why he he couldn't find anything. Well, eventually he did find something. But it was a report in the 1972 May-June issue of a journal of Borderland Research. And this research... It was like this society that 
attempted to explain UFO sightings and other paranormal phenomena. Phenomena. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, I mean, to each their own, but let's just keep digging further. Well, they said, okay, that report itself referred to an earlier article in A Voice from the Gallery in 1953, and it was in an American magazine called Collier's. And so it told the story of it, and then this Borderline Sciences tried to, like, rationalize the incident and prove that it was real. Mm-hmm. So they published it as it was real. Mm. After doing some more digging, they found that the author from A Voice from the Gallery, which is just the most, like, ominous book title, like, journal title. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it should be in a whisper or something. But the author was Ralph M. Holland. After digging through his background, Albeck discovered that he was a science fiction enthusiast, a firm believer in UFOs, aliens, all of that. And even in one of his books, he claimed that some of this text was given to him by an alien. So. What? Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I think this story was created with Holland and it's just another one of his fantasies. And people have, you know, believed it to be true because mm-hmm. they published it as truth. So after Albeck published his findings, he was contacted by a Reverend George Murphy. And he said, but wait, I've heard of Rudolph Fence's story before, and I haven't read it from this, a voice from the gallery. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't heard of Ralph Holland. I haven't done anything, but I have read it from Collier's. But it was a part of a fictional story. And it was called I'm Scared, written by Jack Finney in September 1951. And Jack Finney is most famous for the body snatchers. Hmm. So most people accepted that Albeck had discovered that this is fake. And that, yeah, now, okay, this other person's saying, okay, Collier's is the original one. And then this got picked up by this other one. And that's where they said, This is truth. Mm -hmm. Collier's was a fictional tale. They said it was a story. And then the UFO one was like, no, this is true. Yeah. And that's how it got started. And so, okay, we're all good. However, in 2007, there was a researcher for the Berlin News Archive. And they managed to get a hold of a newspaper article published in April 1951. It described Rudolph Fence's story in detail. And that is six months before the I'm Scared was published in Collier's, which was supposedly the original fictional story. Hmm. So now some people are saying, okay, it's not fictional, and that Jack Finney had taken his story from this article and, you know, kind of Based it off of something. Plagiarized it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before they could really talk to Jack Finney, he had passed. So they couldn't get, you know, any kind of confession from him. hmm And so, 
it's still up in the air if Rudolph Fence ever existed, if he did fall through time, and if time travel is real. Damn. However. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so this is, you know, one of those gray areas. Mm Mm-hmm. But without going into, you know, like a two-hour episode on time travel, which I'm sure I will in the future, I just wanted to, like, find some that, because, you know, like, glitch in the matrix kind of stuff. So I wanted to see, like, if just this one instance, like how Rudolph Fence, this one instance he was there and then he died, Mm -hmm. you know, has that happened several times, whatever. Well, I found this one story and... In 1935, Air Marshal Sir Robert Victor Goddard. Woo! Mm hmm. It's probably Goddard. <laughs> well, good day. Of the British Royal Air Force. He was a wing commander at the time, and while he was on a flight from Edinburgh, Scotland, to his home base in Andover, England, he decided to fly over this abandoned airfield at Dram. This airfield was useless now, it was overgrown with. Foliage, you know, the hangars were falling apart. There were actual cows grazing where the planes had once been parked. But after he passed over it, he encountered a bizarre storm, your favorite fucking word, and he lost control of his plane and began to spiral toward the ground. He narrowly averted a crash and he found that his plane was heading back toward Dream. So as he approached that old airfield, the storm suddenly vanished again, and his plane was now flying in the sunshine, you know, like my girl was playing. No, I'm just kidding. And this time, when he flew over that airfield, it looked completely different. The hangars appeared new. There were four airplanes on the ground. Three were familiar biplanes but painted an unfamiliar yellow, and the fourth was a monoplane, which the RAF didn't even have in 1935. The mechanics were dressed in blue overalls, which he thought was odd since they are usually dressed in brown. And it was strange that none of them seemed to notice while he flew over this place that he should not be flying over. Mm -hmm. When he left that area again, he went through the storm, but he managed to make his way back to England. Well, it wasn't until 1939 that the RAF painted its planes yellow. Then it enlisted a monoplane of the type that he saw, and it switched its mechanics uniforms to blue. Hmm. So it's like, okay, had he flown four years into the future with that storm and then returned to his own time when he went over it again? Damn, I don't know. Then there's this other time. There's two British couples, and they're vacationing in the north of France. They're driving, looking for a place to stay for the night. It's 1979, and as they drove, they saw the signs that seemed to be advertising for a very old-fashioned circus. Danger. Will Robinson, danger. Mm -hmm. We saw American Horror Story. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the first building they come to, it looks like it might be a motel, but the men standing in front told them it was an inn and that the hotel would be found down the road. 
So further on, they find they find a building marked hotel. And inside, like everything was made of heavy wood, no telephones, like rooms had no locks, only wooden latches, windows only had wooden shutters, no glass, everything was like heavy wood. And so in the morning, when they were eating breakfast, two police officers entered wearing very old-fashioned caped uniforms. And so they were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. This is so weird. They got the bill, and it came to only 19 francs, and they left. They're like, that was fucking cheap. Like, let's just get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. So after they spent two weeks in Spain... The couples were, like, making their return trip, so they were like, hey, let's find that place again. Fucking cheap. Kind of weird, but fucking cheap. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they went a little she-she up in Spain. Mm-hmm. This time, though, they could not find that hotel. They were certain that they were at the exact same spot because they saw the same circus posters. But they realized that that old hotel had vanished without a trace. Photos taken at that hotel could not be developed. And, like, they researched a little bit, like, okay, was there a hotel here? All Mm -hmm. of this. Well, their research revealed that the French police officers had stopped wearing caped uniforms in 1905. What? Yeah. So, it's just crazy, like, such a small, like, time slip. Mm Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's possible. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I I mean, I want to say like absolutely not, you know. Mm-hmm. How can you travel through time? Like it mm-hmm. makes no sense. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, if you believe that reincarnation could be possible or all these different yeah. things, it's like, well, why not? Yeah. Well, I was also looking and I really want to do like the glitch in the matrix and the mm-hmm. Mandela effect and all yeah. of that. But I found something about The Simpsons, and there are so many predictions Mm -hmm. that they've done. And it was, like, of Trump winning president Mm -hmm. and even going down the same escalator, like, how he was doing it. It's exactly the same. Like, it was so weird. Even, like, Star Wars and Alvin the Chipmunks premiering at the same time and, like, 14 years later, two, like, the those movies, like, you know, way down the line. yeah. Both have premieres that same weekend. Like, you know, just random shit like that. And it's like, is someone a fucking time traveler? Like, how do they know this? They, like, predicted random, like, outbreaks, like, of Ebola. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like, craziness, like, 20 years in advance. And I think they even said FaceTime. They did something with that. And it's like, what? Oh, and I found something, and it was, like, from Charlie Chaplin, a movie, and they said that a lady had a cell phone, and they say it can be debunked and that she might have a hearing aid Mm. or whatever, but it legit looks like she's, like, talking on a cell phone. Yeah. Because, like, what's she hearing? Like, no one's really around her. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. talking to her. So it's just really weird, like, those... Little moments, like, what if someone is a time traveler or whatever? Well, I don't know. And then it's like, okay, if they are a time traveler, then 
they like what's the impact that they will have on the past and then mm-hmm. does it change the future and could quite possibly end their existence anyway so did they really even time travel back or did they never exist at all yeah i, I don't even know <laughs> i know i don't know either that's way deep it's way <laughs> smarter than i am mm-hmm. me too we need your feedback what do y'all think mm-hmm. time travel a thing or no nah? <laughs> i mean could that be my cardio? Because when I think about time travel, I always think about this episode of Family Matters when Steve Urkel and the, I can't remember the cop's name, Floyd? No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Winslow? That was their last name. Yeah. Anyway, they travel back and he like writes himself a note to invest in like Barbie or something oh, like yes, that, you know? Yes. And then he's like really, really rich. Yeah. Who knows? Golly. You know what? Okay, here's one thing I learned. I learned that my brain goes to the most weird places sometimes. Because the whole time you were telling your story, all I could think about is, are you Christy Ray? Who wants to know? Who wants? You don't know that song? No idea what you're... It's that Jimmy Ray? Oh, God. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that they're, like everybody else <laughs> on the planet knows, but I don't. Well, I mean, I probably sang it way out of the rhythm or whatever that is, whatever that musical terminology is. <laughs> what did you learn? I learned that people who have been arrested for a fucking violent crime should not get bail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, that whole thing could have been avoided. Yeah. That's just heartbreaking. Her poor family. I know. Gosh. And you know what else I learned? What? I still don't know what I think about time travel. <laughs> same. Same. That's why I got to do a like more in-depth mm-hmm. thing. But here's the thing, though. People fucking lie. And so it's like, what? I mean, you can't believe what you read, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it could be. I mean, your whole story was about that, you know? Yeah. This, like, you don't know. Did they create some sort of, like, fan fiction? Or is it true, you know? Yeah. But again, that's what your whole thing was about. But yeah, well, it's that it's such an urban legend now, and that's how it can easily be created and mm-hmm. taken as fact. So true. But it could be fact, and we are dismissing it as urban legend. Little big, little big. I don't know. We will never find out. <laughs> well, dang. Y'all tell us what you think because we definitely want to know. Yes. And do you know the song I'm talking about oh again i'm sure people are like (laughs) i'm i'm sure that i'm the only one that doesn't know (laughs) but you know what i do know what to remember creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared